1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. So you can go ahead and look it up and this will be our starting point. Who Jesus is to us. Glory to God. Here we go. This is our theme verse right here. You're going to hear this every week for four weeks. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who became for us wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Let's read it again. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Realize that you didn't get in Christ Jesus by yourself. He got you there. <laughs> you, we couldn't figure that out on our own. He saved us. He saved us and put us in Christ. Who became for us. Christ has become for us. Wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So what we're going to do, we're going to take every one of those four words there, the description of what Christ has become for us, and we're going to spend a Wednesday night on each word, wisdom tonight, next week righteousness, the week after that sanctification, and we'll wrap it up with redemption. Are you Ready. Yes. Glory to God. Well, let's talk about wisdom tonight. Understanding that Jesus has become for us wisdom. And not just uh, wisdom as we think of it in a natural way, but wisdom from God. The Bible is very clear that there is two different kinds of wisdom. James elaborates on that where he gets into the fact that there's a wisdom that's from above and there's also a wisdom that is sensual and devilish. Obviously, I think we know which one to stay away from. Lord, have mercy. Stay away from that sensual and devilish wisdom and cling to the wisdom of God. But let, let's find out what, what is wisdom according to the Bible. How does the Bible define wisdom? This is Proverbs and chapter 9, verse 10. You can go ahead there. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, how important is that? Because if we don't get this, we're not even starting. <laughs> I mean, if, if we don't got this, then you're not even on first base when it comes to walking in wisdom. Which is interesting because that, that puts someone who's an atheist even further behind. Because b- besides fearing and respecting and revering the Lord, they need to get to the point where they just believe that God exists. Amen. So imagine how far behind some people are from being at this point where they're just at the very beginning of wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, understand, this is not talking about being afraid of the Lord with an unhealthy fear, but this is talking about having a reverence and respect for God. And, and that, that is so vital to us in, in these days to walk in the fear of the Lord. By, by so doing, I mean, this is the first base of wisdom. If you don't got that, then, then you, you ain't been very far yet, let me tell you. You, you haven't even started your journey yet, really. But, but to understand the fear of the Lord, to revere and respect the Lord, that's the very beginning of wisdom. Now, let's go ahead and look at another thing Proverbs says. Proverbs, obviously, is such a wonderful book on the subject of wisdom. We can go to chapter 4 now. Proverbs chapter 4, this is verse 7. So if you want to learn about wisdom, Proverbs is a great place to go. Wisdom is the principal thing. Numero uno. Wisdom is the main thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing, the main thing, the most. So if wisdom's the most important thing, the, the main thing, the principal thing, then we need to spend time getting it. Rather than go ahead and try to do life without it, and we're going to get into this uh, as we go on tonight, 
But there's something that is stirring in me about the importance of foundation laying. Foundation laying. People want to run their Christian race and don't even have necessary building blocks in place. Like the fear of the Lord, a necessary building block. You need to respect and revere the Lord and take his word seriously. Knowing you're not dealing with the Ten Options, you're dealing with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and and I, I, I know, you know, and, and in, the, in the name of balance, we understand that we're not under the law. And yet the word commandment is still not a bad word because Jesus told his disciples to go and teach all nations whatsoever I have commanded you. So though we're not under the law and under the, the old commandment, as you will. Commandment's still not a bad word. We're still supposed to get orders from headquarters and follow through on them. And those orders from headquarters are coming from Jesus, the head of the church. So uh, we're going to see that important aspect of foundation laying. So this is how the Bible defines wisdom. We can go into many other things, but we see the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. We also see the wisdom is the principal thing, the main thing, numero uno. Now, uh, what does it look like? What does wisdom look like? There's a great description over in James 3. James 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Come on, somebody. Somebody got stuck right there. Say, you say, I, I don't yield to nobody. Forget about it. Yeah, and, and you've been stubborn and hard-headed, and you've got big old knots on your forehead from slamming your stubborn head into the wall over and over and over again because you've not been willing to yield. Somebody help me tonight. All right. Calm down now. All right. Full of mercy and good fruit. Without partiality, no shown respect for persons, and without hypocrisy. That's a, that's a good, good verse for us to get a hold of, to take a look at it and say, what's God's wisdom look like? God's wisdom looks like that. Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, Without partiality and without hypocrisy. Amen. Well, that kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Now, um, as we see what the Bible says the wisdom of God is, and, and, and as we, we see here what it looks like, one thing we need to understand is that this wisdom is, shall we say, multifaceted. I mean, obviously you see that in, in this verse here, but I mean it in this way, where it's multifaceted, where God doesn't just have wisdom for spiritual things. God's got wisdom for everything. And, and, and I want to look at something tonight. Uh, so some of these verses, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at some of these verses. I'll just quote to you. Uh, but, but this, the word of God so strongly emphasizes that there's not just one kind of wisdom. Because if there was one kind of wisdom, then the Bible would never have to use the term all wisdom. Kind of like we understand praying with all prayer. Means there's different kinds of prayer. Well, God's wisdom itself is multifaceted, which means whatever you need it for, there's a wisdom for that. Oh, yeah. Somebody say there's a wisdom for that. I, but I want something to rise up inside of you, get a little uh, Holy Ghost attitude going on, and you say there's a wisdom for that. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians 1. In whom, this is Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In whom 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Wherein, next verse, he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Somebody say all wisdom. All wisdom. wisdom. Somebody say there's a wisdom for that. Now, uh, listen to these verses. Colossians 1.9. This is a prayer Paul's praying for the church of Colossae. He said in Colossians 1.9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, uh, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. To be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, John, these next few you don't have, so don't, don't sweat it. I'll let you know when you're back on track, because I'm just quoting these. So Colossians, that's 1.9, 128 of Colossians. Him we preach, that being Jesus we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, talking about Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Somebody say all the treasures. All the treasures of wisdom. All right, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Somebody getting a picture of this, all wisdom. Now, Ephesians 3.10, John, you've got that one. Go ahead and put it up. This is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means Manifold. How many of you can pick that out? The manifold, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So here we see all wisdom, all wisdom, all wisdom, all wisdom. And now here what you see, manifold wisdom, manifold wisdom, multiple-sided wisdom, multifaceted wisdom. Somebody say, there's a wisdom for that. Mm. Now, so what we want to do is we want to take the rest of our time together and look at some of these facets of wisdom. We, we want to look at, uh, you know, there's no way we could hit them all, but, but we, we want to hit several of them. Because here's the thing. There is something that as Jesus has been made wisdom from God to us, we, as, as we understand that and as we receive insight into what that means, because really what that means is that we just don't ever have to do without it. There's not anything that we have to go without an answer for. There's nothing that we have to go without insight for. There, there, there's nothing that just has to be a, a, a hopeless case that doesn't have an answer, doesn't have a solution, can't figure it out, can't put your finger on it. Absolutely not. Not when Jesus has been made wisdom to you. Now, let's check this out. Wisdom regarding spiritual things. Wisdom regarding spiritual things or eternal things. Now, 1 Corinthians 3. So we'll, we'll look at this kind of wisdom first and, and look at multi facets of it. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool. That he may become wise. I love it. Verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. John, go back to verse 18 real quick. Go back to the, that previous verse. Let no one deceive himself. So in other words, if you don't get this, you're deceived. <laughs> if anyone amongst you seems to be wise in this age, in this age, in this present world, if anyone seems to be wise in this age, in this world's atmosphere that is under the control of the God of this world, who is Satan, as we learn in 2 Corinthians 4.4. So if you're wise according to the way Satan is running things, you just seem to be wise, but really, you're dumb. 
You didn't get the wisdom, you just got the dumb. Come on. Now, but if you are in that category where you seem to be wise in this age, in this current atmosphere, in this world, become a fool. That don't mean that crazy. That means you're becoming a fool in, in the eyes of those who are going along with the wisdom of this age. So you're becoming a fool compared to what other people think. And, and, and to, to what, what other people think is, is the way you ought to be living your life. What? You giving 10% of what to the church? Well, you, you mean you've been with her for two years and you ain't never done nothing with her yet? What's up with that? You know? But people who are not saved, when they find out the, the way that real believers are living their life, they say, what? You gave how much to ministries last year? You're doing what? You're taking your time on your weekend to do what? Come on now. Let him become a fool that he may become wise. So you're becoming a fool according to the wisdom of this age. But really, when you do that, you're becoming wise because the wisdom of this age, the next verse says, is foolishness with God. So you can be wise or you can be otherwise. Come on. I want to be wise. I want to be wise. Not wise according to the world because the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Now, I want to be wise according to God. It's his definition that counts. Hallelujah. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. We're in chapter 3. Go to chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Talking about spiritual wisdom, eternal wisdom. Verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Think about the immensity of this wisdom. Now, now, when we get to the last week of our series here, we're going to talk about the fourth word in 1 Corinthians 1.30, which is redemption. Think about the wisdom of God. That was wrapped up in redeeming us. The, the, the plan that worked perfectly to a T. Where if the rulers of this age, and, and, and in my opinion, that's not talking about, uh, earthly rulers. That's talking about spiritual rulers. And not, not, not the angels on the good side. I'm talking about the angels on the other side. You know what I mean? The, the rulers of the saints, the rulers of this world, if they had known this wisdom that is being talked about here, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Which means they got sucked right into it. Went from a scenario where they thought they had won greatest victory and realized it was ultimate defeat. Come on. I love the verse over in Hebrews that Jesus through death, destroyed him who had the power of death. That being the devil. Sounds to me like he took his gun right out of his holster and shot him with his own gun. Ah, somebody help me. Hallelujah. That's the wisdom of God. How perfectly this plan worked. Glory to God. Even to the point where Jesus could not lawfully be kept in Hades, in the pit, in hell, could not lawfully be kept there because he wasn't there for his open left that could keep him there. Hallelujah. Is somebody glad about the wisdom of God that the evil rulers of the age could not figure out, did not figure out, and they did figure it out, they'd never done what they did. Woo. All right. Now, before we get too happy and camp out there all night, Lord, <laughs> we won't get anything else done. Ephesians 1. Check this out. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying for the church. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, that's the same kind of wisdom. The same kind of wisdom that God has by which mankind was redeemed. That's the same wisdom. And we're making requests that he would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. What's that doing? That That's just always, always stirring up the awareness and keeping us sharp to the fact that, that the one who is in us, Christ who is in us, he, he's become wisdom to us. Come on. That, that, that's always keeping that awareness. That, that, that's always keeping, keeping us sharp and keen to the fact that he who is inside of us is ever desirous to be wisdom to us about everything that we need wisdom about, but particularly when it comes to the knowledge of him. The first goal of wisdom has to be this kind of wisdom. The first goal of wisdom has to be this kind of wisdom, that I may know him with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You can be uh, educated in, in so many ways. You can be a biologist, you can be a psychologist, but what the world needs is more hymnologists. And education is not a bad thing. God gave you a brain and you ought to use it. But I'm here to tell you tonight that that there lies a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Between being book smart and actually being wise. Glory to God. You can be so wise you can get 180 degrees and go the opposite direction. You can go get 360 degrees and end up in the same place you started. Somebody will get that little geometry joke for you. But but the bottom line is that if I want to be, be proficient at something, if I want to be wise about something, I want to be a hemologist. Glory to God. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says this. Proverbs 2 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You want to get a hold of some wisdom. You, you want to understand this, this wisdom that Jesus has become unto us. Well, I'll tell you, this is the source. Out of his mouth, the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You want to get it, that's the source of where to get it from. Hallelujah. So above all things, above all things is the, the pursuit of God's wisdom. Wisdom that's so uh, so uh, beyond what we can fathom that that the, the, the perfect execution of the plan of redemption right down to the last crossing of the T and dotting of the I. Glory to God. That's the kind of wisdom that God has. That's the kind of wisdom that he is. And Jesus being made wisdom to us, what kind of wisdom? That kind of wisdom. Which means, once again, the realization that we've got something inside of us that we just not acting like we really got. <laughs> yeah, we're acting like we're on one level. <laughs> and God said, why don't you get out that low level and come on up to where you really are? Hallelujah. Now, are you ready? Let's take this a little further. Wisdom for conflict resolution and the administration of justice. Did you ever know the Bible had something to say about such a thing? Wisdom for conflict resolution and the administration of justice. Do you think that the United States of America could use some people with that kind of wisdom here today? Look at Acts 6. Now this is another facet of the wisdom of the night. We're going to look at multiple facets of the wisdom. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Next verse. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. 
Woo. So there's a problem in the church. There, there's a problem in the church that is actually, to some extent, a racial issue because there was one ethnic group that was not getting the same treatment as the other ethnic group. And the, the apostles thought it necessary to be able to get men that were full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom to come and figure it out. Hey, hallelujah. And that's just what they did. Not more of man's programs and man's failed ideas and attempts to fix things that can't be fixed without fixing the heart of man. You get two people together, you all need to love each other. You all need to love each other. But you know what? If there's no love in the heart, they can't love each other. You, you, you can't do something that you don't got the goods to do it. That's why you need to be born again. When you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. But you see, we see here, there was conflict resolution. There was the proper administration of justice because of men with wisdom who came on the scene. Are you with me on that? How many of you remember Solomon? Yeah, Solomon had some baby splitting wisdom, let me tell you. Glory to God. See, well, one day, you, you know, Solomon sees God. God shows up to him in the middle of the night and says, what do you want? I'm going to give it to you. And he said, well, since you're here, I really don't know what I'm doing, so I need some wisdom. <laughs> and the Lord said to him, well, because you've asked for, for wisdom and not for Riches and not because uh, you want your enemies uh, head on a platter or anything like that. But but you've asked for the most important thing. You're going to get the other stuff too. And so here's Solomon uh, uh, beginning his reign. Two women come to him. They lived in the same house and both had babies. One of them slept a little too close to her baby and smothered her baby in the night. And then took her dead baby and swapped it with the living baby of the other woman who lived in the house. Oh my. And ultimately, what happened is that they came before Solomon and you can imagine how it went. The, The dead baby's her baby. Oh no, the dead baby's her baby. And so here's Solomon having to deal with this thing and having to get down to the root of the issue. And, and listen to this wisdom from God. He said, somebody give me a sword. And someone say, he said, what? <laughs> he said, give me a sword. And he said, all right, we'll, we'll go ahead and solve it like this. I'm going to go ahead and take this sword and cut the baby in two. You get one half, you get the other half. Now, the one who really wasn't the mother said, fine by me, do what you got to do. But the one who really was the mother said, no, no, let, let, let her have the baby. And Solomon said, uh-huh. Now I know who mama is. <laughs> now listen to this verse, 1 Kings 3, 28. Right, right at the end of the same chapter that tells that story. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, that king being Solomon. And they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Hallelujah. Can you pray that for your leaders? Can you pray that for those in the executive branch of government and in the legislative branch of government and in the judicial branch of government, state level and a local level? Glory to God. Now, interesting. Let let me throw one more thing at you here. We see this and this one little example that I told you and how the people were in awe of the way that the King Solomon had the wisdom of God in him to administer justice. And yet the words of Jesus. Now, remember Jesus? Y'all know Jesus, right? You know? Christ Jesus, who was made unto us wisdom from God. Remember that? This is the word of Jesus. And uh, uh, this is now going up on the screen. 
But, but this is a little side note for you. This is Matthew 12, 42. And it says that the queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. Now that's talking about the queen of Sheba who came to visit Solomon. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. See, you can stand in awe of the way Solomon settled that problem and say, wow, he was really, really smart. He was really wise. But guess what? He didn't get that from himself. As a matter of fact, the very one who is the wisdom, has the wisdom, that Solomon had to begin with was the one who just uttered those words, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is Christ Jesus who has become wisdom to you. Which means if he's a greater than Solomon, then I'm going to put it to you like this. If Solomon moved inside of you, you would not be as wise as you are right now. Because the wisdom, <laughs> the wisdom of Jesus was greater than the wisdom of Solomon. As a matter of fact, any wisdom Solomon had that he walked in, he didn't get from himself anyhow. He got it from the Lord. So you could hook up with Solomon, but you know, Solomon was just another pipe that the water was flowing through. So rather than hook up with another pipe, you can hook up to the source and let the water flow through you yourself. Hallelujah. Woo. Can we talk? We're going to talk about another facet of wisdom. Oh, Lord. One who is wise plans in advance. Well, hallelujah. One who is wise plans in advance. Oh, Lord. Yeah, and we're, we're just having the movie play in front of our mind of all the times where we know, yeah, we weren't wise because we've been playing nothing for that. Proverbs 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Amazing that that little bug that, that you stomp on and you, you spray stuff to keep it out of your house is an example to us for wisdom and planning in advance. Here's a few other verses for you along the same line. John, you don't have these next two I'm giving you. Proverbs 21.5 says the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But the plans of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Diligent plans, wise plans, will lead to plenty. Hasty plans lead to poverty. I know which one I'm picking. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 12 says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. He sees evil ahead of time. He sees it up ahead and he hides himself. He protects himself from it. Where the simple pass right on. And are punished for it. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's really kind of what it looks like, isn't it? I don't know if I can do it as good the second time as I just did it the first time, you know? So, so hopefully somebody had their, their, their camera going or something. But a prudent man sees evil come and hides himself. And the simple just pass right on, fat, dumb, and happy, clueless, and get hit. All right, here we go. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this verse. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10. All right. We'll have some fun now. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about that wisdom plans ahead. Some would say wisdom plans ahead. So here, if, if the axe is dull and you don't sharpen the edge, then you got to exert more energy to chop your tree down. How many of you 
with no preparation, no thought about anything, by getting out there and chop, chop, start swinging. Took your axe, didn't realize anything about the condition of the blade of your axe, and just started swinging away. Oh, Lord. Can you relate that to life? We're not talking about chopping trees down here. We're relating this to the fact that in so many ways we have gone into something ill-prepared without advanced planning, which is a godly thing because Jesus even talks about counting the cost before you build the building. So if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he's got to use more strength. In other words, this is the Bible way of saying the popular statement of the day that rather than working harder, you should be working smarter. Because this person who does not take the time to sharpen the edge has to use more strength to get that tree to come down. Whereas the person who doesn't just take the axe and run out in the woods, but takes some time. Oh, yeah. Hey, take some time to work on that blade. Sharpen that blade. And then they go. And, and with, with less effort than the guys that have already been out there all day long, they get the deed done. It's called working smarter. It's called being wise. It's called advanced planning. Get somebody getting something out of that tonight. Woo! Wisdom. Also, manifesting creativity and innovation. Hey, come on, somebody. We're still looking at several of these facets of wisdom. And uh, this is just amazing. I mean, this is a whole series to itself. We're hitting the highlights tonight. Wisdom also manifests in creativity and innovation. Exodus 31. Exodus 31, starting with verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Can somebody say whatever kind of workmanship you got working inside of you and in your life, that there's wisdom from God and there's innovation on how to do it to a level and to a degree that you've not done it yourself before. And others around you will say, wow, glory to God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's inside of you? Do you believe Jesus has been made wisdom to you? Proverbs 8, 12, out of the King James Bible, says this. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You, you know, you might be one of the people that, uh, you, you, you thought about the, 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 the post-it, but, but you might have thought... You know, the sticky pad, the post-it, you, you might have thought about it after the fact, after somebody else got to it. Or you might have been the one who thought about it and never did anything with it. But I'm telling you this, that, that that's not the end-all be-all. There are lots of other things that can be done to improve life for people more than the sticky note. And I want to tell you that God's got creativity and innovation. And if you tap into it, what a glorious, glorious opportunity you have to be a blessing to the world and be a blessing to the body of Christ. How can you be a blessing to the body of Christ? Because when you get a good idea and run with it, then you can tithe off your ideas profit. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wisdom also entails this. I know we're going fast, but it's all right. And if y'all need my notes, I'll send them to you. I don't mind. Ain't no copyright on the Bible. I just got Bible verses and little points here. That's all I got. But wisdom is listening to somebody other than yourself. Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. Wisdom's listening to somebody other than yourself. Proverbs 12, 15 says it like this. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. He who heeds counsel is wise. He who heeds counsel is wise. One verse that's not up on the screen, but I'm going to give it to you. The reference, Proverbs 18, 15. It says, the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. You see, you already know everything you know. That's right up there with wherever you go, there you are, you know. And other great <laughs> common sense, obvious proverbs. <laughs> you already know everything you know. So in order for you to know something you don't know yet, you're going to have to learn it from somebody else. Glory to God. Take that and run with it. Amen. This is interesting. Think about this, that wisdom equals restraint. Wisdom equals restraint. This is Proverbs 17. Start with verse 27. It says, he who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. It's interesting that wisdom equals restraint. That somebody who is wise knows how to spare his words. Knows how to say what needs to be said without saying too, too much. To say what needs to be said without just rambling. Say what needs to be said without having your mouth get you in trouble. How many of you have ever gotten in trouble because of your mouth before? That's why it's so vital. Yeah, you keep on raising your hand over and over. I see that there. <laughs> Think about this. You got to be slow to what you're supposed to be slow to and fast to what you're supposed to be fast to. You know what I mean by that? The Bible says be slow to anger and, and, and slow to speak and quick to hear. Now, the problem with us is that we reverse that. We're slow where we're supposed to be fast and fast where we're supposed to be slow. Let's get it right. Restraint in our tongue. Can, can I mess with us for a minute? Restraint when it comes to not just our tongue, but also the lust of the eyes. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to, we're going to have some fun. We're going to take a, you know, a, a, a look at two verses together. And, and this is going to just lay it out and say what I need to say. What, what's that next one? It's the, the, the second part. Proverbs seventeen twenty four. the end of the verse. The eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. You, you ever see those old cartoon characters like that old Bugs Bunny cartoons and the girl bunny walks by and the eyes go, you know. <laughs> See, that, the, the, the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. I mean, the eyes are just, uh, you know, she went that way. <laughs> What's the next verse? It's Ecclesiastes 2.14. Look at this. The wise man's eyes are in his head. Isn't that interesting to put those side by side? The eyes of a fool are throughout the whole earth, here, there, and everywhere. But the wise man's eyes are in his head. Woo, did you ever know that was in the Bible? Glory to God. Can we talk about restraint tonight? Doesn't just think about the moment. Wisdom can think long term. So therefore, if you're just thinking about the moment, you'll go ahead and act one way. But when you're wise, you don't just think about the law, the, the, the moment. You think long term, you think results, you think consequences, and you come to the conclusion, I know what the consequences are, and I don't want that. When it comes to sexual sin and the wording of the book of Proverbs, I don't want to have my mouth filled with gravel. Anybody ever read that verse before? Well, if not, you need to read Proverbs. But, uh, 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 you know, it's just the idea that, that you think something's going to be tasting so sweet to you and you got your mouth full of dirt. It ain't that sweet. 
But the one who is wise can exercise restraint and not just think for the moment, but think long term. Hallelujah. In our last few minutes here, let me tell you this. <laughs> Wisdom is irresistible. Wisdom is irresistible. Someone say, simply irresistible. <laughs> yeah. Luke 21. Check this out. The words of Jesus, the head of the church. The one who's been made unto us wisdom from God. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Let's go to the next verse. Acts chapter uh, 6, which is talking about Stephen. And this is a, a great example of a fulfillment of what Jesus said. Stephen was up there preaching the word. And those religious leaders that didn't like what he was saying, it says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Someone say, simply irresistible. Now, Matthew 22. Now, now let me set this up. You know, this was at the time where people were coming and asking Jesus questions. Ah, what about the baptism of John? Was it from God or was it from man? Or uh, what about paying taxes to Caesar? Should we do it or should we not do it? And everybody trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus would answer the question. And they'd come and say something else. And Jesus would answer the question. Now put up that verse, that verse in Matthew here. 22:46, And... After, after all these questions that people come to Jesus with, this is the bottom line. And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Do you love that? Hallelujah. Is there somebody with some faith tonight for one of those Jesus wisdom moments? You know, I couldn't help as I read this. You know, you, 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 you know that would have, could have, should have moment it's nice when it happens you know <laughs> not, not not after the fact when you're thinking about oh i wish i said that it's nice when it happens right there when you have the opportunity to say it can you believe god for that kind of wisdom you know pastor mike you remember the story uh back in the 90s uh, i had a couple come in for uh uh premarital counseling and uh I, I had known this, this lady for a while, but him I had just met, and he was half saved. <laughs> now, you might think, well, that's not quite theologically correct, but I think you get my point, you know? So, so anyhow, I, I, I'm talking to them about things, and <laughs> I say, hey, man, if I'm going to do this, I need to know, I need to have a commitment from you that you're going to keep your hands off her. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't have to go into more detail, right? Okay. I said, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to officiate this wedding, I need to know that you're going to keep your hands off her. And he said, well, you know what? I, I can't make a guarantee like that to you. And so I said, oh, okay. A few minutes later, I had a Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Are you ready to be with her and only her and nobody else but her for the rest of your life? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, I got a problem because you're telling me you can keep a lifelong commitment, but you can't keep a six-month commitment to keep your blooming hands off the girl. And, you know, right there, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm composed, you know, I'm... I'm still looking pastoral, but inside I'm doing this. Yes, yes, yes. It was a Jesus wisdom moment and the man had nothing else left to say. Except, well, I guess I better keep my hands off her then. Thank you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I want a Jesus wisdom moment. Yeah. The bottom line of it all, as we close, is this. This kind of wisdom is not just knowing something. 
There's many people in church who know things. And their life's no better for it. Know the word. And their life's no better for it. Real God wisdom is about knowing and doing. It's about hearing and doing. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Next verse. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Jesus called this man a wise man. What was the reason that he was called wise? He was called wise because he heard the sayings of Jesus. But he also did the sayings of Jesus. And the next few verses go on to describe a scenario where there was somebody else who built his house on the rock. Well, actually not on the rock. He built his house on the sand. And the problem with that guy is that he heard the same thing. But he did not do what he heard. And so hearing what you've heard tonight is wonderful. But we, according to the Bible, could only be qualified as wise if we do it. But I've got good news for you, that God is not just invested in getting the truth into us, but God is also invested in helping us to do it. You ever hear this verse out of Philippians 2, that it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure? Which means God is committed to our success. God is committed to us doing his good pleasure. And the one who hears and does is wise. A perfect connection because that's who he is and that's what he's all about. Jesus has been made unto us wisdom from God. Can you praise him tonight? Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Yeah. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes with me. Father, we honor you. We honor the name of Jesus. We're so thankful for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for, for what he's been made to us. He's been made to us wisdom from God.